BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So hotel tax revenues are back up again, restaurant uh, tax revenues, sales tax revenues, etc. So we are seeing a recovery in those revenues and are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guests this week, and I say S with an S, guests, are the two talented women who are riding herd over city finances, Chief Financial Officer Jenny Wang Bennett and City Budget Director Susie Park. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. It's budget season yet again. Is it ever not budget season in the city of Chicago? That's a good question, Fran. It does feel um, like it is always budget season. So um, I know it feels like we just finished the last budget. So here we are starting uh, 2022. This week, Mayor Lori Lightfoot disclosed that the city is facing a $733 million shortfall in 2022. And she portrayed that as a sign of significant progress because it's down 40% from the $1.2 billion shortfall at this time a year ago when we were still right in the middle of the stay-at-home shutdown triggered by the coronavirus. Since when is three-quarters of a billion-dollar budget hole good news? Well, friend, I can jump in here. Uh, certainly, it's a, still a very large gap. And as the mayor noted yesterday, we are still in the midst of the pandemic Um, We have seen increasing cases of the Delta variant, and we're watching that very closely, both from a city perspective as well as from a revenue projection perspective. But importantly, what we have seen is a recovery in our revenues, and that's evidenced by the 200 or so million dollars of uh, improved projections on revenues versus what we had originally budgeted, but also, very importantly, the monthly revenues that we track and the return of Uh, certain uh, sectors that had been negatively impacted by COVID. So hotel tax revenues are back up again, restaurant uh, tax revenues, sales tax revenues, et cetera. So we are seeing a recovery in those revenues and are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Last year, the budget included a $94 million property tax increase, a gas tax increase, and an automatic escalator tying property taxes forevermore to the consumer price index. That means property taxes will be going up by roughly $20 million. Can you hold it to that? Um, As you heard the mayor yesterday, you know, that is what we are working towards to, um, you know, just leave it at what um, we had put in last year and that, you know, that we will not be increasing property tax uh, for next year. So you're slamming the door and locking and swallowing the key here on that? 
I don't know if we'd slam and, and swallow the key, um, but that is definitely um, our intention and what we are hoping to work towards. What about other tax and fee increases? The three-year financial analysis talks about exploring new revenue sources, like what? So I think what we um, saw this year, which is very fortunate for the city and a number of other cities across the country, is a significant amount of federal funding that'll help support the revenue loss that we sustained. The majority of the gap that we faced in 2020, in 2021, and also now in 2022 is as a result of uh, the loss of revenues due to COVID and the restrictions that have been put in place. Um, that revenue loss was uh, a, a factor that we lobbied for in the stimulus package. And for, fortunately, the Biden administration came through with that. And with that, we believe that um, there are significant uh, amounts of revenue available to us to help address this gap. We are still going to look internally to efficiencies, as we always do, and uh, demonstrate to taxpayers that we're good fiduciaries of uh, taxpayer dollars. And then to the extent that new revenues make sense, um, which is consistent with the way that we've raised new revenues in past years um, from a policy perspective, not just for revenue generating and gap closing purposes, then we'll take a look at those options as well. And what are the options you would look to exploring new revenue sources like what? Clearly, you're not going to touch the gas tax again when we're seeing prices at the pump go sky high. Uh, So what will you look to? Well, in this current environment, what we are um, uh, most supportive of and looking to encourage are stimulative actions that help to recover the over $700 billion gross regional product of the city. Um, It's our greatest financial tool for recovery and for financial stability. And so importantly in that, new taxes are a bit harder for us to create that stimulus. Um, There are places where uh, the city has seen significant rebound, even post-COVID, and certain sectors where we think that that, uh, it will be uh, faster to recover post-COVID. Um, the city has a very diverse economy, as you've heard us say many times before. And importantly, what that means is that we have an extensive portfolio of various revenues that we'll take a look at. Um, what those exact revenues are, we're still working through that process, and it'll be in the context of the entire um, size of the uh, gap, which we just released yesterday, the initiatives that we believe are important to helping spur that recovery as well. Um, and then also the feedback that we get from the community as well, City Council, throughout the course of the next couple months. So you'll look to the faster to recover sectors to maybe, if you have to tax, to do that. Like what? You're going to tax, raise the hotel tax maybe, or what? I, I think Sales it's tax? Really, what would you do? Yeah, no, I think it's too early for us to tell at this point. Um, what I'll say is that, uh, you know, new revenues are very hard in this current uh, economic environment and, and that effort to be more stimulative and to help the economy rebound. Um, and so there's still work to be done in terms of just, just determining whether there are additional new revenues there that we're going to look to. You've already lowered the threshold for speed cameras. That was very controversial. Did that work out to new revenue? So importantly, on the speed cameras, it wasn't really about revenue, but it was about safety. Um, the, new, the threshold on the speed cameras actually was already lowered um, and uh, previously authorized by city council. Um, the action last year really um, was more about enforcing the previously approved action. But most importantly, the speed cameras are um, uh, in locations around schools and around parks where children are um, and are, you know, are, are important for us to ensure that safety. 
Um, during the midst of COVID, COVID, we saw an enormous uptick in um, traffic fatalities and accidents. And as an effort, in an effort to try to enforce that safety, in particular, like we said, around schools and parks, um, the lowering of the speed cameras helped to uh, support that effort. Susie, what about layoffs? Last year, the mayor canceled 350 layoffs in favor of borrowing against future marijuana revenues. She ordered five furlough days, but only for those non-union employees with six-figure salaries. Will layoffs and furlough days be required this time? Um, again, uh, we are not looking towards that um, for this budget cycle. I think, you know, we are trying to recover um, and work with our departments in, you know, what the needs are and what we're hearing um, from our residents. So, you know, again, while I can't say everything, you know, for certain, um, you know, we are not looking towards more layoffs this year. You had originally planned to use half of the $1.9 billion in new federal stimulus funds on their way to Chicago to retire $465 million in scoop and toss borrowing and cancel plans to borrow $500 million more. The Treasury Department said no to using the money to retire borrowing. So now you're moving money around. You're now planning to use $782 million in stimulus money to replace revenues lost to the pandemic this year and last. And that will free up the corporate fund revenues to retire the scoop and toss borrowing. Isn't that a bit of a shell game? Um, I would not call it a shell game. Um, you know, similar to any other grant program we get, um, you know, we are looking towards what is eligible um, with these funds. And so, you know, what we are doing is we have calculated based on treasury guidance, um, you know, what our revenue loss is for 2020. And we have an estimate for 2021. Um, and we are using that revenue loss funding for eligible charges, which we definitely, you know, in our corporate fund have plenty of. Um, so it's really, you know, taking what the funding that has come in and, you know, charging eligible eligible charges against that, um, which will free up the corporate fund revenue. And Jenny, separate and apart from moving money around to stop the scoop and toss borrowing, you're planning to refinance $1 billion at lower interest rates and use the anticipated $250 million in savings to bankroll retro pay hikes for Chicago police officers. The tab for that is $375 million. You only set aside $100 million in this year's budget for it. So you're refinancing, and then you need to find $25 million more in savings somewhere else. Why didn't you plan for this? You've known this was coming for four years. So we did plan for it. Um, the refinancing savings is something we've been monitoring. Uh, they are um, in, informed by where the market is and also the call features on the bonds, which tells us when we have an ability to refinance those uh, bonds at lower interest rates. Um, importantly for the city, the uh, interest rates um, and credit spreads have lowered dramatically over the last year. In the midst of COVID, um, credit spreads for municipal issuers across the country increased multiple fold. Um, and now uh, the uh, confluence of both the lower interest rates as well as our lower credit spreads means it's a great time for us to be in the market. But going forward, the police contract will cost the city another $165 million. Is that a year? And where's that coming from? Um, so that, that amount has been built into our gap. Um, you know, that was amount that we actually had already contemplated in our out-year projections last year. But um, we are we are we are solving for that 165 in next So that's year. part of the 733. 
Yes. Okay. How much so, of the 733 is pension increase, pension payment? So our pension increase um, of the gap is about $253 million okay. for next year. Last year, the mayor's budget start, started shrinking the police department by attrition by eliminating 614 police vacancies. Will you eliminate more police vacancies this year or will you restore some of those positions? Um, so we are working closely with the police department um, on kind of what their needs will be for 2022. Um, so it's too early to say right now, again, um, you know, last year it was a, you know, it was work that we did across all departments of, um, you know, looking at vacancies and seeing, um, you know, how long uh, positions have been vacant. Um, but moving into 2022, you know, I think this is where we are talking with the police department as we're building their budget for next year about what their needs are going to be. And, you know, if there are positions, um, you know, I know yesterday the mayor also talked about uh, um, increasing recruiting efforts um, in officer wellness. And so those are part of the discussions we're having for next year's budget. Right. But the climate was very different. I mean, last year you had the whole defund the police movement. You had the George Floyd situation. You had people clamoring to shift money away from the police department. This year we had this enormous crime wave that everybody's so concerned about. We had the murder of, of police officer Ella French and the critical wounding of her partner. So much has changed in terms of the political climate. Former budget director and mayoral challenger Paul Vallis was an unpaid negotiator for the FOP, helped deliver this eight-year contract that is now up for a vote by the rank and file. He says that a tidal wave of police retirements has left the shrunken police department with a thousand vacancies on top of that. Is that true? Um, we are working with the police department on um, recruiting and any support they're going to need from the budget office. I think, you know, last year, again, you know, part of the reductions we made in the police department was not, you know, part of defund, but it was really the move that we did with all of the departments to really look through everyone's budgets. Um, you know, we had a large budget gap and we really went position by position, line by line. Um, in terms of, again, for 2022, we're going back with every department to say, are there positions, you know, as we went through this year, as we're recovering, as things are picking up again, um, that maybe you need to, that we need to revisit. And so we are doing the same thing with the police department as well as with every department um, as we're building their 2022 budget. How many vacancies do we have right now in the police department? Um, I actually do not have that number in front of me. Um, so I can get back to you with that, Fran. Yeah, I, I need that because is it a thousand? And if it is a thousand, that's a crisis. Um, what again, do you I, to do about it? Yeah, I don't have the police vacancy number in front of me, um, so we can definitely get back to you on that. And how many retirements have we seen this year? Because there's been a huge number of them and they're only going to get more. Um, again, I can pull, um, we can get back to you on the retirement numbers um, with all the other information. So I don't have that in front of me. Ballas says that you should be using running two classes at a time through the police academy. And if there's not enough room for that, then ask Jerry Reinsdorf and Rocky Wirtz to use the United Center, that that's how bad the crisis is. He estimates that police overtime will top $200 million this year. How much have you spent so far? 
Um, we are finalizing those numbers. I think we do not anticipate it uh, topping 200 million though. Um, when we then what is the figure? What will it be? Um, I think we will come in somewhere closer to where we were last year, which I think was which was what 150 million. That's still very high. Um, yes, it's something we continue to work with with the police department. I think you know, given um, you know what they are working through this summer. Um, and, you know, we are trying to support the police department in their operational needs. Um, and so that's something we work with them each month to track. Um, and so, you know, that is something that we will continue to do throughout the rest of the year. Will you be restoring some of the vacant police positions that you eliminated last year? Again, I think that's something we're going to work with the police department on and kind of what their needs are um, to see, you know, if, if that is called for, we will work with them on that for 2022. And what will you say to aldermen who want to keep shrinking the police department's $1.8 billion budget last year when you or, or earlier this year, actually, when you used uh, $281 million in early round stimulus money to cover police payroll costs? It touched off a political firestorm. Now the mayor is saying we have to increase the police budget. How will you handle these aldermen who still want to keep shrinking and shifting that money away to social programs? Um, I think it's not a either or kind of thing. Um, you know, I hear from those aldermen who are, um, you know, who we've talked about additional investments. And I think, um, you know, given uh, along with, you know, some of the ARP funding we're ha we have and all of the engagement we're doing, I think there's room for that. Um, in addition to, again, working with the police department to see what their needs are gonna be. It's no different than every other department we're working with on you know, positions and what their budget needs are gonna be for 2022. How much total stimulus money has now been spent on the police department? Um, I do not have that. Now the police has, a, has their own, um, you know, they've received some specific CARES funding um, through the DOJ um, for you know, law enforcement related costs um, such as PPE. Um, so I don't have that figure in front of me. Jenny, the city's pension crisis has gotten worse in spite of rising investment returns. It's now up to, I, I believe it's $33 billion. The firefighters pension fund is in the worst shape with assets to cover just 19% of liability. The mayor has been sounding the alarm about this for more than two years, but there has been precious little progress. What needs to happen? Early on, she floated the idea of a state takeover of Chicago pensions. Governor Pritzker nixed that. She talked about a, an increase in the real estate transfer tax on high-end home sales and a tax on retirement income and about broadening the sales tax to include professional services. None of that has gone anywhere. So as it relates to uh, pension reform and uh, various measures, um, just as a point of clarification, uh, the mayor didn't propose a state takeover. Um, her, uh, her statements related to uh, the work that the state was doing around pension consolidation, um, to which the governor did indicate that um, they would take a look at consolidation of various uh, city funds in a subsequent phase. Um, there hasn't been a lot of progress on that subsequent phase. And I think to the mayor's comments, um, we you know, obviously are very um, open to having further conversations, but it takes collaboration in, for us, in order for us to be able to push forward um, you know, certain reforms. Um, as it relates to what those reforms measures might be, 
Uh, it's not like there are, you know, a lot of new solutions. Um, we know that in the state of Illinois, there are certain uh, solutions that have been pursued in the past, which have met um, a legal difficulty. But ultimately, we know what the solutions are. It's, all, it's about what we think um, we can uh, come together with and collaborate on and um, be able to put forth through Springfield. Um, understanding that uh, that it's, um, it's a broader issue that relates to a number of different funds at the city. It's a conversation that has to occur with a number of stakeholders. But what is the city's plan? And do we need a constitutional amendment because of that pension protection clause? So when we talk about uh, pension changes and uh, uh, and what kind of reform measures we might put in place, it really ends up becoming about the long-term liability of the city and the arc of the costs of the city going forward. Um, in the interim, the city is making significant progress on climbing um, the pension ramp for all four of its pension funds. For the first time in the city's history, in 2022, the city will be paying an actually determined contribution for all four of its pension funds. Um, just to take a step back in time and rewind a bit, two years ago, we were facing a billion dollar pension ramp over the course of uh, three years, and we have climbed that. We will climb that in, in 2022. Um, and that has been due to a number of factors. Uh, one is the hard work um, over the course of the last two years to put in place roundly about a billion dollars of structural solutions, which, which helps us to pay for that cost going forward. Um, there was also a lot of work to uh, secure for the first time in over three decades of pursuing a casino legislative authority to be able to pursue that. Um, and then also very importantly, uh, you know, taking a look at, um, you know, how it is that we are um, managing the uh, administration of the various pension funds and being active in, in, in the activities and the business of the pension funds. A Chicago casino you mentioned is supposed to be the salvation for police and fire pensions, but three of the largest gaming companies have already taken a pass. Uh, flagging interest even forced the mayor to push back the deadline for responding to the city's RFP. So, I mean, is the casino going to be the salvation that it needs to be for the, the worst pension fund, the pension fund in the worst shape? A uh, couple things. One is um, the I, I don't know that I would characterize it as a salvation. And I don't know that we've ever thought of it as a salvation. It is certainly significant revenue and it's revenue, not just for the city's uh, police and fire pension funds, but it's also revenue for the state's capital plan. Um, as it relates to uh, the um, potential bidders, um, also to clarify, the extension of the deadline was in large part because we were hearing from interested bidders that they needed more time in order to complete the RFP. Um, we have um, heard from a number of uh, interested parties and um, the uh, packaging of an RFP is uh, a process that is extensive as well as detailed. And in order for us to ensure that we get um, one, qualified bids and serious bids, but two, that the operators have the opportunity to be able to put forth the best bid. Um, that uh, was the reason for the extension out a couple months. But is the city demanding too much at a time when gaming revenues are not so great and sports betting is here and all these other things that divert? The city wants this big mega complex, not just a casino. Does the city have to lower its sights and, and demand a little less from these people? 
So the RFP is a completely open process, and we haven't made any demands out of the um, out of the RFP. Um, it's uh, open to the bidders to determine what the location of the casino will look like um, and their vision for what that uh, casino um, would eventually turn into. We're um, looking forward to engaging with folks as we move through this process and looking at ways that the city and other stakeholders can help to collaborate to create a successful project. And, um, and, and importantly, what the mayor has said often is that this is going to be an extraordinarily open and fair process, um, that we are um, endeavoring to ensure that every bidder that's interested, um, you know, has the full resources of the city to be able to fully develop their proposal. Earlier this year, the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority agreed to scoop and toss a chunk of debt used to renovate Soldier Field to let beleaguered Chicago taxpayers off the hook for what would have been a $22 million cost. The bonds that funded the $660 million Soldier Field renovation are paid off with the city's hotel tax, but the financing package assumed ridiculously that hotel tax revenues would grow at a rosy 5.5% a year. And of course that has not happened during the uh, pandemic. And because of that, Chicago taxpayers were on, hook, on the hook to make up the difference. Now the bears have an option to buy property at Arlington Racecourse, And they're talking about leaving if they don't get a better deal with uh, an expanded soldier field with more revenue, more advertising revenue, a better share of revenues. Is the city in any position to do that? And if not, what happens if they walk away from Soldier Field? Um, so I can't really speak to the Soldier Field discussions. Uh, I understand that um, the Park District has been uh, engaging in discussions with them. I think as it relates to the uh, Illinois Sports Facility Authority transaction, uh, the final maturity of those bonds are before the end of the Bears lease. And importantly, as you noted, um, the, uh, the hotel tax revenues that go to support the repayment of those bonds needs to meet a rationale that uh, makes sense given the context of the environment we're in. And so as a part of uh, the recent discussions uh, with ISFA, as well as with a, certain, a, a number of other stakeholders around the bonds that support the stadiums, um, we rationalize the projections, both with the other entities within the city that depend upon hotel tax revenues, including the city and MPEA. And then also very importantly, put in place a finance plan, which um, is consistent with how other facilities have also um, uh, financed the shortfall of hotel tax revenues in the midst of COVID. The right, but is the city in any position to make this deal sweeter, to allow so to fund a an expansion of Soldier Field, a, a dome on it, or any of the things that the Bears are talking about, or give them a bigger cut of the revenues? I can't really speak to that. I think that was too early to tell at this point. The end of that lease is 2034, and so there's uh, there's a fair bit of time left. And as I as I noted before, the park district you know has been engaging in conversations, but it's I think too early to be able to speak to. Um, you know, what may be ultimate terms in a transaction like that. What do the bears want? What do they need? Um, I couldn't say. I don't know. Are we in any position to be saddled with more debt when we're still paying off the old debt with balloon payments at the end? Again, I think it's too early for us to be able to say. I think that we'll have to see how those conversations go. And ultimately, um, there's time for us to be able to have those conversations.
At the same time, the budget is unveiled next month. The mayor will present her plan to use what's left of the new stimulus money. Alderman Villegas, the chairman of the Hispanic Caucus, the mayor's former floor leader, wants to spend at least 30 million of it, and that's a small chunk of it, for a guaranteed income pilot. Alderman Jason Irvin, chairman of the Black Caucus, says reparations must come first. Will either of those programs be part of the mayor's plan? Um, so as it relates to um, the American Rescue Plan and specifically the state and local fiscal recovery funds, um, we are working through um, you know, what the investments are going to be. Um, we've gotten a lot of input um, you know, from city council. As you know, we're also doing public engagement. Um, we've had a lot of conversations with community organizations. Um, we are finishing up our public engagement, our engagement forums tonight. Um, we've heard a lot of feedback from our residents. Um, and this is everything, and, and, and including our departments too. Um, so I think there's a lot of um, ideas and proposals that we've heard. And I think, you know, there are common themes, I think that we have heard throughout all of this, you know, investments in housing, investments in our communities, um, more mental health, uh, violence prevention. I think there's a lot of common themes that we are hearing. Um, so that's a lot of the work that we're gonna do over the next several weeks. Cases tied to the Delta variant are surging. What happens if the economy suffers and conventions and business travel don't come back? Budget-wise, how do you plan for that? So our revenue projections um, are very conservative. Uh, you, you can see that in the experience we've seen so far in the midst of 2021, um, seeing about $210 million of revenues in excess of what had originally been budgeted. And importantly, we do know that the Delta variant is um, out there and have uh, considered that in our projections um, for this gap. Uh, the budget forecast also includes a uh, positive scenario and a negative scenario. And um, within the context of the range of what that gap looks like in both scenarios, we um, conduct financial planning um, around all three scenarios. And how are negotiations with the unions going on a vaccine mandate? Um, that I could not tell you, so I'm not sure. How about you, Jenny? I, I understand that there are discussions that are ongoing, but I don't know that there's anything to report at this time. And before we let you both go, the mayor promised structural balance by 2023. Will you hit that target? And if so, how? Um, at this point, we do believe that we'll still be able to meet structural balance by 2023. Um, the um, most important part of that is uh, being able to meet our revenue projections um, and seeing the recovery of our broader economy. Um, but to the extent that um, those revenue projections are met and ultimately we you know, will continue the work of looking internally first and finding efficiencies, um, we believe that we'll be able to meet that target. And again, structural balance for those out there, it means that you only spend what you have, right? Right. It means that the uh, the city's uh, growth and revenues are able to match its growth and expenditures. And that's saying something given personnel costs and pension costs and everything else. Ladies, you have your work cut out for you, as always, in a constant budget season. Thank you for joining us. Good luck the rest of the way and on this uh, never ending treadmill that you're on. We appreciate Great. that. Thank and thanks Thank for you. joining us. Thank you for we'll having me. We'll see you all next week.